0: Hey everyone, welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the super duper super nice club. I'm your ever loving host, Todd Brilliant, and this week's guest is. No, wait, wait, before I tell you that, you should know, you should know before we jump that this podcast contains a hidden chance to win a super nice club hoodie. Yeah, it's hidden. I mean, it's not like it's backward masked or anything like that. It's not even really hidden. It's just in the podcast. So if you want to win a hoodie, listen up. Okay, this week's guest is champion among humans, Dave Savage. He's the founder and CEO of Mortgage Coach, which is actually a more important company to you than you might realize. Listen in and you'll learn why. Now, if you're here because you're already in the mortgage industry or you want to get some guidance on a home loan or purchase you're thinking of making, just know this: We'll get into Dave's career, his mortgage genius, but we're also going to hone in on what makes Dave into such a savvy, savage business beast. One with one with a guy with a real heart, a soul, and a keen appreciation for food, culture, and, and just all of the arts. In fact, I think I think I'm thinking of it now, I think that Dave's appreciation for expression actually fuels and sharpens his business sense. And you know the flip side of that is his career and business affords him the opportunities to appreciate all the wonders out there. It's a virtuous cycle, really. And while Dave has been on hundreds of podcasts and spoken to many, many, many thousands of professionals out there, if you think you know Dave and that you've heard it all before, I guarantee that you haven't. Nope, there's some special stuff in here that you haven't heard yet. I said guaranteed, didn't I? What's the guarantee without a without a cost? Okay, so let me think. Okay, so if you have heard it all before, honor system, let me know, and I will send you, uh, I don't know, three Super Nice Club stickers or, or a patch, whatever you want, your call. Okay, on to the sponsor talk. Don't skip it. Don't hit that 15-second forward advance button or whatever, because it doesn't take long. Ready? Here we go. Thank you, sponsors. That's you, members of the Super Nice Club. So I'm really thanking you if you're listening, a club where we're just trying to make the world... 10% nicer. If you don't know anything about the club, you're just here for Dave? Okay, cool. That's great. Glad you're here. Welcome. You can learn more about us online at our website superniceclub.com or at superniceclub on Instagram, Facebook, other social media sources or or one more option, you can text nice work right now to 310 310- Four two one zero three nine three to join our super nice club insider community. We give away all kinds of stuff on that line giveaway, we give away shirts, hoodies. You'll get invited to events, giveaways, local gatherings. If you want, when you text nice work, you can ask for a discount code on our super nice hats, shirts, stickers, all the gear that we have so that you can help spread the word in your community around this simple idea of making the world a nicer place. In fact, Here's another guarantee. In fact, if your nice merchandise does not help start nice conversations, you can get your money back. No problem. Get your money back. Guaranteed. Okay. Ready for Dave? Ready for Dave Savage? Okay. You ready for Dave? Ready for Dave Savage? Turn off everything else. Just just turn it all off. Tune out the rest of the world and drop in to nice work with Dave Savage. Dave Savage, Dave, welcome to Nice Work, really, it's about time, first of all, it's about time to have you on here. You were on the the possible number one guest list, but then you're number 40 instead, so well, who knew?
1: I got beat out by Jeremy Forcier as uh, your first guest and guy from the mortgage business, so I, I can
0: live with that. It's true. I can live with yeah. that. Just, just had to wait, you know, once every, once every flood, or was it, no, 40 days, not 40 weeks, yeah. Once every 40 weeks. So you're in Portland right now, Dave, right?
1: I, I am. Lake Oswego, little outside of Portland, but Portland Metro.
0: And before that, where I met you, we were in Sonoma County, California.
1: We were. I still love Sonoma County at a, at a very personal level. I, I think I might be
0: back. And I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you if you still miss it, especially given the fires in Sonoma County. What What are you and Kelly, Kelly's Dave's wife, what are your what's your conversation like about that?
1: We, I mean, we have just nothing but amazing memories of Sonoma. And when we moved there, we moved from Laguna Beach out of the Orange County bubble into Sonoma. And we were inspired by a trip to Italy. And we were kind of like looking for like, what's the closest place to living in Italy, in America? And we landed on Sonoma. And I miss it. I wouldn't be surprised now that we're empty nesters if we, uh, we migrate back there.
0: At least go there more often. Do you congratulate? Am I supposed to congratulate you for being an empty nester? What, what's the appropriate thing on there? I don't know. Because you just, Jack Dave's, Dave's son, Jack, just left. How many months ago?
1: Uh, a couple months. It's going on like a couple eight months. Weeks, two
0: months. And your daughter, Sid, has been out for a couple years? Yes, sid has
1: been right living here. on her own for, let's just say, over a year, year and a half.
0: So is it? So I'm just going to say, congratulations! Congratulations on getting rid of those pesky kids, Dave. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, uh, we are one of
1: those families where I would love to have a big property and have my kids with houses on the property and just living together, doing life together. So it it, it was definitely not something we were just like, I can't wait to get Jack out of the house and and I know. and everything. But I'll tell you what, we're having we're having fun. We're we're making the most of it and really enjoying it and. He'll be back for Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. So we're pretty pumped on that.
0: Well, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about your family uh, a little bit later on. So we'll circle back to, to everybody. Kelly, if you're listening, Jack, Sid, if you're listening, it's, uh, it's going to get weird later on. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to get personal. <laughs> so, okay, here's a question. Since we're, since we're talking about Sonoma County and Portland, um, two places I've lived, Portland, though, briefly, and a while ago, now, what, what has the better food scene? I mean, don't just be honest. Nobody you know in the restaurant oh, industry is going to be I mean, listening. No, okay. I mean,
1: Portland's got the best food scene in America. I mean, I travel all over the country, and mm-hmm. I, I, there, there's many reasons, or at least reasons I think it does. But, yeah, no, the Portland food scene rocks. Uh, but so does Sonoma County food scene. So does San Francisco. But I, I think Portland's the best. Yes, I said it.
0: Well, it's okay to say it. I'm going to say that it's it's clearly the Los Angeles food scene is the best. Hey, the, it's, 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 being, up just... it's up and coming. It's up and coming. It's up and coming. I'm kidding. No, but all honesty, I do love the food up in Portland and Sonoma County. And you know what? Now that I'm here in LA, I don't know. I love the food here too. There's a lot of cool, healthy choices, or so I'm told. In COVID, it's pretty much been supermarket food, for the most part, for me. But I'm told that there's a lot of great food here in L.A., and I'm really looking forward to getting out into it. And the, and the coffee, you know, there's
1: some very legit coffee shops in L.A. now. I've been very impressed my last couple
0: of visits. Yeah, and there has been for a while. Groundworks has been uh, at the forefront for, God, I don't know, decades now. No, they... they but we're al- going to talk... Well, they always had a couple good ones,
1: but, I mean, now it's just, like, flooded with great, great spots.
0: There's a lot of great spots. Okay, so... I think it's fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, this whole podcast, let's just put that disclaimer out there, all right? Jump in. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that you're legitimately a serial entrepreneur, okay? And your latest company, Mortgage Coach, latest, you've had Mortgage Coach, you've been doing it for a while, but it's still your latest company, based in Portland as well as SoCal. We tell us real quick what Mortgage Coach does, and and I think, interestingly, why people who have zero interest in in the daily mechanics of the mortgage industry should care about your mission?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I don't love that term, serial entrepreneur, although yes, I have built multiple businesses and raised my family and made a living um, as a startup entrepreneur and mortgage coach. Uh, it was actually my second startup because I started a mortgage company, pre-mortgage coach, and went from being a loan officer to owning and running a couple different mortgage companies. But I, I started Mortgage Coach 20 years ago. And when I founded the company, it, it, actually the name of the company is called Wow Tools, and it was founded on this premise that I learned as a salesperson that if I could get someone to say wow out loud, like, wow, no loan officer's ever told me that before, or even think it, that I would win. I'd be a really successful mortgage professional. So it was it was just creating that wow. But Mortgage Coach has morphed into something much bigger than that. And to your point, why, why should anyone listen to this care is because we, we've really led the industry in transparency, education, and advice so that when a family gets into debt, uh, that they make the best decision and I, I think that most people when they get into debt Which the mortgage if you have a home and you get into mortgage debt, it's probably your biggest debt of your lifetime More people get it wrong than right, you know, they like they don't they don't look at their options They don't look at it over time They don't look at it as strategically as they could and should and and that's what we do is we we help loan officers Be better advisors and we help families make better decisions
0: now after the collapse, after the meltdown, uh, 2007 to 2008, did Mortgage Coach take on a renewed importance? In other words, because there was regulation that happened afterwards, right? Right. It was this wild and world, wild and world, wild and crazy mortgage world. And so then Mortgage Coach, with your tools, you got in there and you helped loan officers deliver transparency. Fair to say? Ab- absolutely, yeah. And that's, that's where... I think a lot of us had a real, um, just kind of a quick aside, you know, before I did my tour of duty in the mortgage industry, I thought of loan officers as sharks, you know, every one of them. I went through the crash with the rest of America. I read the papers and they really painted a terrible picture pretty much of all lenders. But then I worked closely with hundreds of them and found the majority really, like you said, you know, they do give a damn about home buyers like you do. They really do care about people's futures and their financial stability. I mean, okay, maybe not qualifier, maybe not the big banks and the call center operations, but like your local lenders living in your community, that person is gonna see you at the supermarket. They're gonna see you at Little League and at the movies, you know, you know where each other lives. They're part of their community. Anyway, so I was wrong about you. I just wanna say this, I was wrong about you loan officers. If are any of you listening to there at one point, and I'm super glad to have worked with you and have a bunch of you as friends now. I'm going to segue into a quick sales pitch, Dave. Is that cool? Yeah, go for it, man. Because I just just buttered buttered up the loan officers. I just buttered up these loan officers. So if you're feeling good, if you're a loan officer or a realtor out there looking for great gifts, text text, uh, NICEDAVE to 310-431-0393, and I'll send you a discount code for anything at the Super Nice Club store. What do you think? Was that kind of a good segue? I like it. Yeah, go for it. Did that work for you? It totally
1: works for you. But I mean, mortgage people are amazing. I mean, it is a, a great industry. They're local providers. They they want to do the right thing by families and and they're really uh, evolving to just help families build wealth with real estate by making mortgage better mortgage decisions and most of them really do want to do
0: that. And that's what, oh, you know what? Sorry, guys. I got the text. I got the phone number wrong. 310-421-0393. All right. Nice Dave to that number. Yeah, it's true and just to make this clear, I used to work with Dave for Dave. Actually, I used to work for Dave. Dave was my boss at Mortgage Coach. I don't Coach think anybody's your um, boss, bro, but I... <laughs> but. Um, I, was, uh, I did the director of marketing and creative uh, for Mortgage Coach for a while. And this software, do we still call it software?
1: Uh, we call it a platform, but, you know, yeah, technology, right? yeah.
0: software, yeah. platform, um, whatever. App. If you're... If you're a loan officer out there and you're not using Mortgage Coach, and this is just a spontaneous commercial, you're crazy. <laughs> because it makes such a world of difference for the home buyer. They're looking at what they're buying, and the transparency is 100%. The realtor partner is on the same page the whole time. It's There's absolutely no reason not to be using uh, this software. And I'm being genuine, genuine about this. I've had so many guests now. This is guest number 40, and I've never done a plug for anybody. This is just really good shit. Um, and it makes a difference. Because I think that more than just a single home buyer, when we have entire communities that aren't going underwater with their loans that aren't overextending themselves financially just to try to um, sort of keep up with the Joneses. These are healthier communities that stay together longer. These are healthier schools. It's just the whole thing expands. And this is kind of part of the super nice idea, which is getting a nicer world. And it, and people who are are financially solvent are just in a nicer place. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you you said that. I do appreciate the plug, but and, and also just a rent versus own analysis. I mean, there's so many people that are misinformed about home ownership. They they think they need more for a down payment than they really need. They they don't think their credit's good enough, but it is. Uh, and then you have a lot of folks that are like, I don't know if I'm going to want to live there in two years, three years. And so I would just I would just push everybody find a cool local super nice club mortgage professional and do a rent versus own analysis and and even in today's covid market you know there's a lot of people that want to move you know they're they've yeah. they've been in their house and they want a bigger you said kitchen you know so they cook more uh, they might want more room I, I think people are just misinformed so uh, do reach out to your local pro if they're not use a mortgage coach. They might not be super nice worthy, but uh, if they if they are, then they're they're super nice worthy and have them do an analysis for you. It will really help you build wealth with real estate
0: faster. So, what's going on? What's going on in the mortgage world? I mean, I know you can't really make hard predictions, but do you expect big changes in twenty twenty one? Well, I'm
1: I'm not an economist or someone that predicts that, and I don't watch CNN, CNBC. So I've even when I you know, while I I love to ask people what are your hopes, dreams, and goals, and then yeah. map out a strategy. I'm not the market predictor, but uh, Dan Rawich, uh, he is a super nice dude, very worthy of the club. Uh, but, but he thinks rates are gonna stay low through 2021. Uh, he thinks rates have to stay low uh, you know, are they going to go down? Probably not. I mean, we think in the mortgage industry, the purchase market, it's going to be super healthy, uh, super nice and super healthy through 2021 refinances will go down. But, uh, you know, when it comes to real estate, it's looking pretty good, uh, for the next couple of years, according to the, the, the experts. And, and I, I subscribe to their thinking. I, I think it's going to be pretty good.
0: Is Dan still uh, doing uh, analysis for you guys? Do you still do the- Yeah, he is our chief economist. And
1: every every morning, he does a two-minute market synopsis and brings leadership to mortgage coach loan officers.
0: Yeah, he was always on point, you know, when when we were working together. I really want to just thank you for helping bring the Super Nice Club in front of, well, actually into just like a ton of small towns, you know, all across the United States. When, we, when people come onto the website and purchase, you know, super nice club stickers or hats or shirts or whatever because they want to sort of get out in front of the world say, I believe in, in a nicer world, I'm, I'm hand sending. We don't drop, drop ship. I'm, I'm sending everything. So I know all these tiny little towns. And I know which ones are coming through the loan officers because you've exposed the club to thousands of loan officers and realtors. Who have purchased hundreds, maybe thousands, of hats and you know so many stickers and other gear as realtor partner, home buyer gifts? You know, I'd like to think this is my background in the industry that has something to do with Super Nice Club's reach, <laughs> but it'd be a total lie. So huge thanks, Dave Savage. Uh, oh, and also to the world's greatest loan officer, Jeremy Forcier, for really getting behind the mission of being nice. I really appreciate it. It's been a big, it's been a big difference making. No,
1: hey, who who would have thought all those years ago when we first met? I think it was one of our kids' birthday parties. Our kids went to the same school at Summerfield, and we met in a garage, uh, hanging out, talking. That you know we would have all this history together, have worked together. You would have met Jeremy. I mean, it's just, it's been so cool. And now, Super Nice Club, we got a mission. You have it's a mission. Great.
0: Shout out to Summerfield Waldorf School and Farm in Sonoma County, California. Yeah, where our kids went. Yeah, great school. Uh great part of the world. And Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy Forcier, who I met at in Vegas in a swimming pool. I think it's uh Oh my gosh. Was it the Palms? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was at uh it was while I was working uh for you and what's his name? Tony uh, uh, who's the big speaker? Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Oh, my gosh. Tony Robbins was, was speaking. I'm sorry, but I skipped it. Uh, not because I don't like Tony. I'm sure he's great. Jeremy skipped it because he's seen him dozens of times. So it was Jeremy and I, Jeremy's friends, Jebediah, and there's one other person at the pool. You know who that was? Do you remember? Was it, remember was it, was it
1: Joe Pater or who was it?
0: No, it was, it was Floyd Mayweather. Oh, that's right. Well, I, I, it was I saw, saw him Floyd on the trip. Floyd right. Mayweather. So he's there with a couple of bodyguards and we walked right by each other. And I was like, that's Floyd Mayweather. Anyway, enough, enough of the, enough of the ask kissing. I want to know about, do you, you have a, a morning routine, don't you? I, I, yeah,
1: I think everybody has a morning routine. Some people have a more, uh, I don't know, focused one, but absolutely brother
0: they don't they everybody does not have a morning routine and i'm asking each guest now i've started a couple guests ago about their morning routine and what it looks like do you mind uh, walking us through yours yeah
1: well so first of all i don't believe that i think everybody does have a routine i just think some people have a routine that puts them in their you know their genius zone and a place of intentionality and some people mm-hmm. they just have a routine that they always do uh, but yeah i don't i don't want to be too cliché i mean first of all do you ask everybody this question
0: is this like this is you're the you're the third one. Okay. I'm just kind of I'm, I'm trying it out. I'm seeing how it goes. If everybody has the same routine, I'll stop. OK,
1: OK, because I just I think I and again, I'm one of those people that I am ADD. I am dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to be in my place of peace, I have to consume content. So I I listen to podcasts. I read books. Um, I do affirmations. I would say that my um, morning routine was has been most influenced by Hal Elrod in his book, The Miracle Morning, who I've also interviewed a couple times. But I, I don't know how much of it is because of him or it just validated all these things that I believed. But I, I believe that what I put in my head it matters more than anything. And so I just try not to put anything negative in my head in the morning. While I do check out, like a lot of people will say, oh, don't touch your mobile device until two hours of the day. I wish I could do that. It probably would be better if I did. But I'll admit i i do check out my mobile device emails social media sometime in the first hour that's not a best practice i'm not out there telling everybody they should do that but but in all honesty i do but i i don't get into anything negative if it's negative i'm passing by that i'm looking for positivity aspirations i do meditate I don't do it every single day, you know. I wish I did. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I need to do more often. But I I try to get it ten minutes of just meditation, usually in my room, you know, like before I even leave my bed. Sometimes I'll just get on the ground, chill out.
0: Do you want to Do you want to meditate right now with me? Yeah, you want to just for like a couple seconds. Yeah, let's yeah, do ready. the first one. Right, just ah, oh, that was good. We could do better than that. I'm more energized. Let's, let's Thanks, just Dan. give it a little
1: bit more. No, but but meditation. Positive stuff. Should work out more in the morning, but I try to get a good brisk walk-in. Um and those are my, you know, my foundational things.
0: So I'm gonna put out a super nice club challenge right now. If you want to win a free hoodie, any size, here it is. If you can beat Dave Savage in arm wrestling, you can get a super nice club hoodie. Or I'll just give you fifty bucks. All right. So if you see Dave on the street, you can beat him in a fair match while he's sober. You get it. Anything you want. This man is the strongest human in terms of like whatever muscles you need to arm wrestle. He's a he's a machine. It's unbelievable, you guys. It's unbelievable. So everybody out there that knows Dave, challenge him. Free hoodie if you win. Got it? All right.
1: It would be it'd be tough to beat the savage strength. We uh It's not gonna we, happen. We,
0: we, maybe Jack. Jack might beat you. Your son. You might know, he it, one day. It's been a few
1: years and he hasn't beat me, but yeah, he, he he is very strong. He definitely can outlift me in anything, but uh, I don't know if he can beat me in arm wrestling. We'll have to see this next visit.
0: Jack, it goes to you too, all right? If you can beat your dad, free hoodie. Okay, so here's a, just a standard question, but I, I really want to know because you you travel so much and you, you speak uh, all the time. You're out there presenting, sharing your knowledge uh, in places where a lot of other um, speakers and inspirational people are. Who are some of the most inspirational people that you've met in person?
1: Mm. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, I met John Travolta. I don't know how many years ago in an elevator, <laughs> and I'm telling you, this guy had an X factor. His eyes, his connection, his interest. Uh, he he was one of the most just magnetic, oh, interesting, human great answer. beings i've i've ever met i'll never forget it he was just super cool very curious asked me some questions and it wasn't in this like i'm john travolta being curious type of way it was uh it was it was just an x factor like i've i've i don't want to say i've never experienced I've, i've met other magnetic people like that but just curious that was that was pretty amazing um are you looking for me just to list off like speakers? No,
0: that, I I love? Just, that was great, man. That was great. I just wanted to hear, you know, because I know you're, you're out there so much. John Travolta, as the most inspirational person you met, I'm just going to- I didn't instead, say it like that, but there. I just said it was- We're going to I'm going to advertise this podcast with it you.
1: It was an, unlo- an <laughs> uncommon level of curiosity and connection that, yeah, it was just unexpected and pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, hey John Travolta. Listen, if you can beat Dave Savage at arm wrestling, you can get into. He cannot so, beat me in arm wrestling. I can, give him <laughs> I can tell. I can
1: tell. Although it's funny that you, you bring were... up arm wrestling because I have you know growing up as a kid with the last name of Savage, being into sports, I I was just always really strong and could beat everybody and even people that just look huge. But it's like the mm-hmm. it's the wiry guys. Like you're a pretty good arm wrestler. Uh, you don't look no. like you would be, but you're you know you're yeah. you're pretty worthy.
0: So. You were talking about in the morning how you listen to podcasts uh, sometimes, you know, as part of your media. And you're the guy kind of who really convinced me. You kept saying, bro, you can do a podcast, bro. You can do a podcast. What's up with that? And I was always like, rolling my eyes because I'm just not an audio uh, learner. Um, so podcasts have never really done it for me. I, there are a lot of people out there who I like that do podcasts, but if I start to listen to them, I just kind of nod off except for Dan Cummins. Dan Cummins is great. How many podcasts do you listen to? Do you think uh, Like, how much do you consume with a podcast?
1: Well, I, I, I like the long form. So, I mean, I love Joe Rogan and you know, whenever he interviews someone that I want to know about, I'll listen to it. And then every once in a while, I'll just listen to a random one. And I, it's shocking, but you know, as long as they are, I listen to him. I love Jocko, Jocko Willink. I mean, I, I can over the course of a weekend consume one of Jocko's three hour podcast Uh, I don't know exactly how much. It's not like I'm listening to one every day, and it's not like I do it in a sitting. Like I'll listen to Jocko over the course of three or four days. But I mean, I I would say at least three hours a week of podcast consumption would be my guess.
0: Okay. Some weeks, five. Some weeks, two. That just has to be a great way to expand your horizons all the time, especially since you're replacing probably that's probably time that you would have been spent passively watching TV.
1: Well, right? either, you know, and uh. putting and filling your head with not great stuff. I mean, that's the thing I love about the, the long form podcast. You have these individuals that if you like, you connect with them on a value standpoint, you know, yeah. you're going to get just raw human to human interaction that's not being filtered and manipulated by the institution. And all of the, I don't know, different interests that they're trying to serve. So I, I just, I like that. And if you like the person, you trust the person, it's good content. Mm-hmm. You're putting, you're getting smarter. It's better than watching TV or, you know, some institutionally driven BS.
0: Yeah. Well, again, this has been full of a lot of thanks. This is the, I might title this episode, Dave Savage, the, the thank you show, but thanks for getting me into podcasting. Uh, congrats, dude. And I'm honored that I played a small little piece in that. Yeah. No, of course, man. Of course. You know what fuels me? Since, you know, let's turn this and make this about me. Random conversations with strangers. That's what fuels me. You just learn the most interesting stuff about people if you just start talking to them.
1: Well, that's and one of you'll the things I love them about again. you. That's one of the things I love about you is how much uh, you, you you love everybody and uh, you love interesting people and and you find interesting people and then you find non interesting people, but you pull out the, the interesting stuff in them, bro. So it's a it's a gift you have. I love that.
0: It's, it's how I avoid boredom, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. If if Wherever you are, there's usually somebody else around. And as long as you're not shy about just saying hi, you can end up having some cool conversations. Okay, so changing gears totally. I've known you for a long time and I've never asked you about this. So I want to ask you about it because it's really the heart of the podcast. Years ago, before you started your first business, was there ever a moment where you just, if you can think back and remember it, where you just thought, uh, I don't really want to work for somebody else. I want to start my own thing. And you thought, I'm going to make this big leap. Was there ever like a, a leap of faith moment for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's two really big things that I think drove me towards being an entrepreneur and and you know owning my own business. first of all, my dad was a CPA a controller worked in the aerospace industry and never achieved his his goals or dreams you know and it was always controlled by someone above him you know and and so i i just knew i didn't want to be that dude you know i didn't want to be that you know someone else is controlling what i what i do and then i have always been uber creative and just loved to create and i and so i just it never struck me and then Because I'm ADD dyslexic and didn't do too well in school, it wasn't like I would have, you know, I had a great resume coming out of school, didn't graduate from college, didn't get good grades. So it was kind of like between one, not being probably, you know, if you were like in a line to be the most employable person, I didn't probably look like that on paper and never was. And in terms of just wanting to be this free wheel that didn't depend on anybody but myself for my success, I just, I was always attracted to being um self-starter entrepreneur
0: now when you did did that cause your dad any frustration did he think ah uh, dave you need to be more like uh in a straight channel or I was think, that just like ah, i think, this is who I think he is. by that time
1: he'd given up trying to control me <laughs> you know like like <laughs> by the time he he got me through high school and i did get a diploma but i think uh, he was like got this kid through school you know graduated from high school like i i can't control this kid and uh he was not, yeah, he, he was not judging me or giving me a hard time or trying to, you know, enforce that upon me.
0: So in a way, I don't know if folks you know, but loan officers, and jump in here, Dave. But loan officers in a way are, they're kind of like independent contractors. They're, they're sort of like if you go to a beauty parlor and the, the uh, hairdresser, they rent their stall right? They rent their stall and you're not really going to the parlor. You're going to your individual hairdresser that you love because you love the way they work on, you know, your hair and everything. And, and when they move, you often follow them. It's very similar in the loan officer world. You're, you're usually not going to a particular company. You're going to Jim Smith because your sister referred Jim or whatever, or you had purchased through Jim before. And now Jim's at a different bank, but you keep going around. And in that way, Loan officers are, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're entrepreneurs in a way. Would you say that's fair? Oh, like yeah. They're, they're kind of doing their own thing. So you're working, this is my long-winded way of saying, you know personally and I've worked with and your clients, your customers, many thousands of entrepreneurs. Given that and given the other worlds that you work in, what's the best advice you can think of that you've heard or that you've just come up with on your own about people who are nervous about making the leap into working for themselves?
1: Well, before I answer that, I want to I, I, I somewhat re-answer the last question because when you were telling me all that, it reminded me, yeah, yeah. I was going to college, struggling, mm-hmm. hating it, but I would have graduated when I met Mel Samick, who was my first um, mentor in the mortgage business, and I found the mortgage industry. So I guess there was kind of this, I wanted to be self-employed, but I was going to school and the opportunity arose. And that was, right. that was pivotable. It pivoted pivotable whatever in my life um but in but in terms of uh giving advice to anyone about going out and and doing it i think it's you know your biggest enemy i think is usually your own narrative and and there are just people that have the narrative that i can do it i will do it and they do it and and i i just think challenge your own narrative and and if it is a narrative of uh it's not going to happen or it's not for me well that's your story and and so if you could just you know upgrade your narrative if, if that's something you want I don't think it's for everybody but for those who it's for you know just tell yourself a good story your words matter the words that come out of your mouth the words and the stories that you tell yourself and I think most people that that never um do what they want it's because they talk themselves out of it
0: yeah, fair point. We make a lot of excuses, don't we? I'm not experienced enough. Somebody already did this. You I'm did not. I'm not a good marketer. I don't have enough money. I'm not a sales guy. Right. You know, just these right. self
1: defeating narratives that that you know hold us back from whatever whatever your dream is, whatever your potential is.
0: All right, folks, no more negative self talk. Okay, you already can do it. You kick ass. Go get it. Yeah. Okay. So you're a huge fan of technology. You're you're the guy that I go to. Uh, if I see some new technology out there, I don't even bother sending it to you anymore because I know you're already on top of it, you know? And what's cool about it, though, is sometimes people like that, I'm like, yeah, you know, you put too much faith in technology, but I consider you a techno-optimist, if I might. You know, somebody who sees technology, if used properly and by nice people, as something that can really help the world advance. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, yeah. So... Along these lines, with, with the huge changes in technology over the last decade or so, and pertaining to the mortgage industry, and COVID obviously has made this a big topic, remote workers, right? There's a lot of people leaving cities, moving to different areas because now they kind of need to because they can't go to work, you know, the big remote work shift. Do you see this shift as as something that was going to happen with or without covid or do you see this as something, I mean, in other words, is this a, a permanent shift or just a reactionary shift in your mind? Yeah, well, first of
1: all, COVID has just been the, you know, the accelerator. So a lot of these shifts were happening, whether you're talking about the shift of, you know, online, digital, virtual, uh, these 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 were all shifts that were happening. It just massively accelerated. I, yeah, no, I don't think we're going back. Uh, will people work in offices more? Yes, in the future, post COVID, and when we get the disease under mm-hmm, control. Mm-hmm. But will it will it always be more of a kind of preference base? Like, hey, do I want to work from home? I think all big companies will let anybody work from from home going forward. Uh, there will be exceptions to that, but I I think that it's massively changed things and technology, you know, 5G and the promise that that brings, uh, global internet. Uh, and the satellites that are coming, where you know being off the grid won't be a thing, everybody will be on the grid if you want to be on the grid you know like that's a a personal choice and i and I do think that is like the the next superpower that we need to get a hold of as human beings is being on the grid, but taking myself off the grid and managing myself on and off the grid like that we you know we're we're not doing a very good job of that and I don't know. If, have you seen that new movie, um, Social
0: Dilemma, yet? I started watching it, um, and then it just it made me feel like such a loser. I turned it off. No, I started watching it really great, and then I wanted to finish it with uh, Justice, but he didn't have an interest. So he's like, "I don't even. I'm not on social media, Dad. That's your addiction." I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> you know, he's not. He, he's just. He's. It's not one of his things. But I get it, and I'm going to finish it up. Yeah,
1: it's good. And I, I would say the interview between him and Joe Rogan is even better. You know, like if I had to choose, I mean, they're both good, but uh, his interview with Rogan was, was just solid, but it just really hits the point. Like technology's great, but there is a uh, ethical use of technology and, you know, there's definitely some things in the way technology is persuasive in our marketplace and social media. That's, that's not, it's not healthy.
0: Which obviously yeah, America is not healthy, it, not right now. But the Super Nice Club will fix that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a <laughs> no, part of the solution. You know, are we going to use it to enhance humanity or diminish humanity? I think that's what it what it comes down to, and it's a it's a it's a big question, right? Well, it's a, yeah, it's
1: and it's both. It's I mean, It's, 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 it's yeah. both, but it it is both a demise and an accelerator. You know, but it but it but it is reality. You know, like there's no denying the impact of technology and the
0: And what it's going to do in the future. Here's what I want to know. Speaking of remote working, slide back into that. Millions of people for years now uh, have been working out of coffee shops, right? Or at least they used to before COVID. They still do if there's an outdoor area, you know? Um, And you have a huge passion for coffee. And more than just the actual coffee, but the spaces, the coffee spaces. You used to send me photos. You'd be in like New York, like, look at this, look at this cafe, bro. Isn't this cool? You know, and I'd get these places and they'd all be amazing. Uh, Our mutual acquaintance, Butch Bannon, uh, put it to me just the other day. Thanks for the intro, by the way. No problem. He said, coffee, coffee, coffee is a synonym now for getting to know someone, for spending time together, right? You want to get coffee. doesn't really mean I mean, yeah, it means drinking coffee, but it means interacting socially with another human in the real world, which is a rarer and rarer event, whether we have COVID or not. So the space, the actual shop is super important. What are some, you know, you've checked them all out. What are some favorite spaces, some coffee spaces of yours that just blow your mind that you love to go to when you hit a seat?
1: Yeah. So, well, first of all, I'm not, I I can only drink one pretty much one shot of espresso a day. So I'm not like, I, I really yeah, like, even like drinking a cup of coffee would be ODing for me. Um, but we we took a trip to Italy and between the jet lag and having espresso on every corner, I loved it, became dependent on it, and I, but I loved, it wasn't just the caffeine to get over the jet lag, it was just mm-hmm. the shop, the people, the connection. And, and so I came back and I, I loved it. I don't really think I fell in love with a coffee shop until we um, moved to Sonoma County. Uh, But remember, that was inspired, that European vibe. You know, to me, it is about the coffee shop. You know, I'll have one breve macchiato in the morning. Sometimes I'll do two, but that's a rare occasion. In terms of the best ones, I mean, gosh, I mean, everybody has a bitchin' coffee shop now. For a long time, Nashville was, uh, call it, the most unexpected, amazing coffee place. I'm I'm going to my Instagram right now, and I I do have a hashtag called Portland worthy, because uh, when I moved to Portland, I just found like, man, we clearly have the best, the most, and the best killer coffee shops, and it's and whenever I travel, it's all about finding something that is Portland worthy, like it would stack oh, okay. up and compete with a Kova, you know. Um, You know, Heart, all the great coffee shops that we have in Portland, Water Avenue, um, Stumptown, Proud Mary. By the way, Proud Mary is officially my favorite Portland coffee shop. Oh, my God. Proud Mary.
0: Yeah, that is the best breakfast joint I've ever been to in my life. And I'm not exaggerating. It's Proud Mary. Portland Oregon guys if you get there. there's also locations in Australia i believe yeah, right
1: but t- time out it it is the best i mean not only do they execute coffee at the highest level they serve food super interesting cool the people are cool and the space is awesome so yeah it's it's a it's top of the mountain experience
0: i agree i agree have you ever considered getting into the coffee industry yourself like you know future career Maybe. retirement career I, you know
1: i don't know i uh I love technology. I love you know being a customer of a coffee shop. I mean, I would like to collaborate. Like I do have a vision on the perfect coffee shop. So who knows? Uh, at some point, I mm. I might be an investor and collaborate with someone
0: and and do that. I get like it. that would be so you're going to license. You could license Super Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice like we'll do a, a Super you know, Nice, Super cup, Nice coffee, Super
1: Nice cafes and. We'll bring. We're your, done. It's done. We're Your, doing it. your yep. vision, Jeremy's vision, my vision. Sprinkle a little Sid Savage in that, and we'll rock it out.
0: Absolutely. You heard. You heard it first. You did, heard it here, you, folks. You, hey, um, you
1: got to create the logo.
0: Oh, of course. Absolutely. Although you're pretty good at that um, kind of thing. You know, the Super Nice Club logo. Is, uh,
1: did you? Did you do the logo? Did you do the Super Nice Club logo?
0: Yeah. I did the logo. I did the logo. I'll, I'll take bashful credit for the logo. Yeah. Because it's, if you're a designer and you look at that logo, it's a mess. It's a hot mess. But that's also kind of what gives it a little bit of the energy is I was trying to make it a little bit, a little bit dirty, a little bit funky, a little bit not. Well, I, you know, I, I loved it. I remember when I first saw it between the idea and the execution, I just went, boom,
1: you know, I need that sticker.
0: Yeah, I need that. Is. He just held up his phone with the super nice club sticker on the back. Um, Dave, I'm gonna. I think I might embarrass Dave a little bit. I'm gonna tell him a little-known story that he only told me once when he was yes, many, many drinks in. And uh, I hope it's okay. I don't know you if know, it's okay um, can we, I know can it might so it? cause you, can we edit this out if I don't like it. Yeah, 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 it might cause you some pain. You know, and jump in if I'm messing up the details. But here it goes, because it's it's so funny because Dave is such a, a visionary when it comes to you know new businesses and technology. And this is such a, a crazy missed opportunity for him. So back in the early 90s, Dave was at a coffee shop in New York. Uh, and I'm trying to remember how he told him, And a guy sees him on his cell phone. Because remember back then, not everybody had a cell phone. This guy asks him in a panic if he can use his phone to call his office, some sort of you know, emergency. And Dave says, yeah, yeah, for because he's super nice. And he ends up becoming friends with the guy. Long story short, this guy invites Dave to partner with him on this new idea, an online bookstore. Dave says, no, nah, I don't think people are going to want to buy books over the internet. That's ridiculous and turns them down. What a mistake. You know who that guy was? It's Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Dave turned Jeff Bezos down, said that his online bookstore idea was stupid. And Dave totally didn't ever meet him. I just made all that up.
1: That was funny. Yep. You, you had me like, okay, the way you framed the idea, what's he going to tell? <laughs> so I, I went from having fear to having confusion. To being like, oh, it's a Todd Brilliant joke.
0: I I got it, though. Um, you're a family guy. That's what I really want to talk about. You are. You do all this stuff, and you just... You know, every time we've hung out, your family, everybody... It all, I mean, we always ask each other, you know, what are your kids up to, all that stuff. But some people answer, and they're just kind of like, oh, you know, Sherry's doing this, da-da-da-da. But Dave always just glows... Uh, It's not just with pride. It's just like he loves talking about his family because he loves everybody in his family. It's just super clear. If you meet Dave, you'll figure it out. So your wife, Kelly, your daughter, Sid, shout out to Sid, my favorite Portland photographer. Your son, Jack, who's at a scholarship at Chico State for Wiffle Ball, I think. (laughs) Uh, Pretty sure that's it. Yeah, was that right? Yeah, no. You, or was it was it lacrosse at Syracuse? Uh, yeah, I think it might be lacrosse. Yeah, at Syracuse. It,
1: it would be nice if he was a, uh, an easy drive to go see my boy, but uh, yeah, he's he's yeah. on the other side of the moon or the other side of the
0: United States. So it seems like you have super great communication as a family. And what do I want to know about that? Is do you guys talk about? as a group about business plans and do you vet your, your sort of business life with them? Have you found the savage family to be a big help in that way?
1: Well, well, first of all, I give all the credit for how well we communicate and how close we are as a family to my wife. I mean, Kelly is just, you know, defines herself as a, as a mom, as a person that creates this, we call it the core four, you know, this really tight group, the core four, yeah, the core four, man, the savage core four. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. So, so, Yeah, she gets all the credit for the awesomeness. You know, I probably am a little obnoxious at trying to bring them into my business world. You know, like we have a little family, you know, it says family um, text. And I do like share highlights and try to get them more, usually more involved in the business than they want to be. So I can be a little obnoxious. But I think think the kids dig it. Um, But no, we're not like, you know, talking business all the time. They're really like, dad, that's, that's your job. You're the business guy. Uh, you know, we're, we're the family. And sometimes I kind of bring business in to a point that, uh, they're like, that's enough.
0: Would you, would you ever see, uh, Sid or Jack working with you like a mortgage coach or is that just like, heck no, we would do something totally. Well,
1: I would love that. And Sid has, I mean, Sid, Sid collaborates with me and has done a lot for our YouTube channel. And you know, I think every video that's in the Mortgage Coach Instagram page, she's she's doing that. But I would love both of my kids to work with me in different ways, and you know, grow business together, do startups, invest in real estate. Who knows? But I, you know, the closer I can be with my kids, the better. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how that rolls with Jack. You know, he's going to business school at Syracuse, and I mean, he's a rule follower. He's an exceptional student. You know, an A student. It'll, I don't know whether he's going to be as entrepreneurial as Sid and I, because first of all, he's going to have a much better resume and be much more employable than I am, you know, so we'll see. But I I would love to work with my kids.
0: No, oh, he's he's better looking. He, I mean, that's be- all. in every yeah.
1: way, he's stronger, bigger, better. <laughs> uh, you know, next level savage.
0: Jack Jack's a beast. Great looking kid. He's like 6'9", 260 pounds. He's huge. He's gonna crush in lacrosse. Uh, Maybe not six, that tall. Six two, but uh, two ten. Whatever. Yeah. Same thing. I don't know. Hey, before I forget, because I'm gonna forget, I've forgotten so far. I just also want to give a shout out to Joe and Hamilla. Joe and Hamilup, you know that I love you. Thanks again for the drinks in Miami, Joe, And the just before COVID. Yeah, late last year. All right, got that in. Joe Hamila, hi, love, love that man. Joe will love hearing that. Yeah. You think he'll get this far into the podcast? I don't know. We'll see. We'll what see. do you think? I don't know. Yeah. This, and this if is he, the does test. This, he does, he this does this deserve the, test. the 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 shout out. Joe, if you get this far, text me and let me know you did. Anybody else that knows Joe, don't cheat. Don't tell him. All right. Just he's got to do it. He's got to do it. So here, this is the fun part, and this is the part where I'm a little bit nervous, the wrap-up, because you get to you get to ask me a question. But before we do that, uh, do you have a challenge for the Super Nice Club members? Just something they can do to make their lives a little bit nicer? Gosh, I mean, I, I think the best challenge for all of us is to be 10% nicer. Uh,
1: some days that's easier than others, to be 10% nicer. Mm-hmm. And it's not even days, it's hours, you know, hours of the day. I, I know I did, I put the sticker on my phone, and I tell you, it, it does remind me, you know, there's times where, you know, I'm not being 10% nicer, and it's just a good reminder, but I, I'm going to just stick with the theme of Super Nice Club, and just every every hour, every day, try to be 10% nicer to your employees, to your team, and uh, make the world better.
0: And to strangers, you guys. I no, love no, the don't worry about strangers. Uh, Come on. Okay. Strangers can it's they can figure it out on their own. What? That's their problem. Strangers strangers might have voted for somebody different than you. Forget them,
1: right? Okay. okay. Well, if you're going to bring it into that. <laughs> so definitely Not. be super nice to strangers. Uh, and be. And, and, yeah. and, by the way, Todd, before we go into total wrap-up yeah. mode, I think this is one yeah. of the things that makes you so special, is you you really do love people regardless of their political beliefs, regardless of their financial stature, you just, you love on people, dude. And I think that's a good challenge for all of us to to give a lot more grace to people that don't think like us and uh, and don't believe everything you think, you know? Like, I think that's a big problem in the world Thanks, today. Dave.
0: You know, I have a long way to go on that, but I'll tell you why I've gotten to the point of, I think, having a little bit of grace around people who hold different views than mine. It's because I have a wild history of Terribly generalizing and judging people and being wrong so often, you know, generalizing about how a certain group of people are in total, but being so wrong about the individuals because there's so many individual exceptions, right? And being wrong so many times, hopefully you, you learn. <laughs> hopefully you stop doing it and so you know that's kind of where I've arrived at where I'm at I still do it I still screw up I still make assumptions about people because of you know the way they dress or who they voted for well, you're or, a human you know, being how man much money they do you're, don't you're a human being That's but,
1: what we humans do but we but we don't have to get angry and we don't have to make negative assumptions and we don't have to um marginalize people because they're different
0: amen Amen to that. So here's our wrap. Our wrap is you get to ask me a question. Any question, I'll do my best to answer it. I have yet to edit my replies, and sometimes they're super awkward. So hit it. Yeah,
1: I really don't have any questions for you, Todd. I'm just kidding. I will give you a question.
0: <laughs> what a letdown, man. <laughs> uh, I was going to pick up the phone and call you outside of the podcast. And... I
1: have a question for you. Okay. Given that we met in Sonoma County... -hmm. Why? Why did you move to Sonoma County? Because one thing I found out, living in Sonoma County, you have a lot of really eclectic people. Some people, you know, born and raised multiple generation, Sonoma County folks for different reasons. But you know, I know I had a reason for going there. But what? What was the magnet that pulled you to Sonoma? Uh,
0: That was I was actually in Portland before I moved to Sonoma County. So I was in Portland in in like 97, 98, or 97, 98, 99, somewhere in there. And um, my ex-wife and I, well, we, we were just dating at that point. We just started dating. Uh, her family all of a sudden made this decision. There was there was an inheritance, right? Uh, and it was, they were going to buy some land, and it came up out of the blue overnight. Her parents had shielded her, uh, her whole life of kind of that this might be something that would happen someday. And so her family bought this land uh, contiguous with their existing land in Healdsburg and said, hey, we want to start a winery. Do any of the cousins want to start this thing? And so uh, she, Naomi, uh, was one of the cousins, and she and I were like, a winery? Um, You know, we're like 27 years old or whatever. We just start a winery. It just seemed like ridiculous, right? It's just a wild, all this money. No, no, wait, Tony, had
1: you been to Healdsburg yet? Like, Did you know what Healdsburg was?
0: No. I mean, I had lived in Chico for a long time. I kind of knew where it was. I knew where Sonoma County was. You know, I'd been to see an Ani DeFranco concert <laughs> in right. Santa Rosa. But you didn't, you didn't uh, know what I I didn't. You know, I had no hip. idea what a small remote town it was or that it was just on the verge of becoming like the heart of California wine country or anything like that. So we decided we would do it if we could build an art gallery uh-huh. uh, into the whole thing. And so we came down and um, we were uh, our own, you know, general contractors and learned a whole lot about construction and learned a whole lot about wine and learned a whole lot about business and marketing and and everything. And it was just like it was like a crash course, like a a master's, you know, or an MBA. Um, And it was Rochambeau. And that's that's what we did. And that's what got me to Sonoma County. Unfortunately, it all ended in pretty typical – fashion when inheritance is involved and uh, a, a brother sued another brother and contested the will and, and, you know, this whole drawn out big mess and it just sucked a huge pile of money away. And, and uh, after a few years, the winery was no longer uh, something that was capable of, of continuing in its, you know, form. But while we had it, it was great. It was successful. You know, we were making 20,000 cases of wine, selling it all over, winning awards, having a great time, uh, having great gallery shows with artists from around the country. You know, it sounds so, and it is so crazy privileged, but, you know, I went from making $4.50 an hour working at a Barnes & Noble bookstore in Portland to, you know, uh, running a, a, a pretty good... Good sized winery and gallery concern. It was a, a huge, huge shift in life. Well that is a cool story. and that Rochambeau
1: um, building was just a masterpiece. I mean pro- pro- yeah, it, it was it was just like a next level of modernization in that marketplace. I mean I, I there are now a lot of pretty, I don't know, unique designed, creative spaces in Sonoma, but at the time that you did it, it was, it was, it, it was way yeah,
0: up front. You were, you, you were, yeah. you were a way out front. Yeah. So cool that. Yeah. And now it's, now it's to me. If anybody knows Toomey winery in, in Sonoma County, it's now Toomey. It's still the same building, but they really, and no, no slamming to me, but they, They really gutted the interior space. Uh, It was this incredible, it was an incredible space. And now it's just kind of like your typical wine space. Um, So it's, it's too bad. There was some really beautiful custom built uh, cabinetry and the bar was incredible. It was just, it was a masterpiece. Would you ever want to, uh, would
1: you ever want to not to, you didn't tell me I could ask you two questions, but, uh, just curious, would you ever want to do that again? Like, is that like a, do, like, do you wish you could have finished that story and built that space and, and manage that business? Or is it like, Hey, been there, done that. Don't want to go back.
0: I, you know, there's always some regret when, uh, an enterprise doesn't succeed because of something beyond your control right? The actual business plan was strong. The quality of the product was strong. You know, it failed because of outside influences. So that's a little bit of a, I wouldn't say it's a regret, but there is part of me that's like, gosh, I wonder what would happen if we had continued with the rest of our plan, right? But I also feel like it was a hell of an experience for me. Um, It was a hell of a great failure. Uh, It also undid my marriage, but, you know, I have a beautiful son and Justice and his mom is a a wonderful person. So it wasn't, you know, I don't look back with any regrets. Uh, It's just some, there's just some what ifs associated with it, right? There's some what ifs. Got it. Got it. Well, love knowing that story. Yeah, it was Tower Records to uh, Barnes and Noble to Rochambeau. It's it's a common path to one. You didn't work at Powell's. You didn't work at Powell's. You, you seem
1: more like a. No, you seem Powell's. more like a Powell's versus a, oh, versus, man, I, a I, I versus a versus um, a Barnes and Noble guy. I'm really shocked that yeah, you sold well, out.
0: One. One was hiring, and you know what? I can't curse on this show. Uh, one was hiring, one wasn't, and I, I needed to. I needed to pay the bills. Dave Savage, you are a mensch, uh, a wonderful connector, uh, a maven, if you will, and so deeply appreciated as are your talents uh, and. Thanks for being on. Thanks for talking with me. I hope that uh, if you are out there listening and you're a loan officer, you really dive into into Dave's company, uh, Mortgage Coach. If you're not, dive into work with loan officers who are using Mortgage Coach. I'm not saying this to plug Dave. I'm saying this because as part of the Super Nice Club, if you're out there and you're looking to buy a home, it'll make a difference in your life. Right? It's it's something that will actually you know bring more nice. So. Dave, we will talk again. I will see you post-COVID. You're going to get your ass down here to LA one of these days. I will.
1: I will. I look forward to seeing you, brother. And uh, congrats on being a podcaster. Congrats on being uh, an entrepreneur. And thank you for making the world super nicer, brother. I appreciate it.
0: So there you have it. A super nice conversation with just a great guy, great friend, Dave Savage. His company, again, is Mortgage Coach. You can check out mortgagecoach.com to learn more about it there. And like we kind of hammered in during the podcast, seriously, if you're getting a mortgage, you're going to refinance, talking to a loan officer, I hate to say it, but even if it's somebody you've already worked with before, if they're not using Mortgage Coach, you might want to ask them to. That's all. It's a difference maker. And a little bit of difference on a home loan goes a long way when it comes to your present, but also your future financial security. And right now, we've all got financial security on our minds, right? So if you're lucky enough to be able to be looking at a home loan or refi, check out Mortgage Coach. Beyond that, Dave just has – he's always such a positive guy. Do you have those people in your life that are always supportive of what you do but also full of real – advice, and real suggestions. They may be supportive, but they don't just shine you on and say that everything you do is great. That's Dave. Dave has constructive feedback, constructive criticism, uh, provided in a way all the time that uh, I wish I was good at doing it as well as Dave is. I wish I could do that for my friends. Also, he's a connector. You know, Dave sees, and I think we should all try to be more like this. You see somebody that you know doing something cool, and you're like, oh, you know, I just met this person over here who might think that's interesting. And there's nothing in it for Dave, right? He's not trying to position himself to get a slice of the pie when he makes these connections. He does it for the joy of putting people together. And oftentimes he doesn't even really know one of the two parties. But that doesn't matter because he makes the connection. So that's a, a bonus, super nice challenge to you as you move forward and you hear about people doing things and just start to think, well, who do I know that might also be interested in that? And make that connection. It's really, it's really fulfilling. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. And really don't miss next week's podcast. Episode 42 is going to be fantastic. We have, as of two weeks ago, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the youngest Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee ever and member. He's a Nine Inch Nails drummer, Angels and Airwaves drummer, considered by many to be the top drummer in rock and roll, Ilan Rubin, and his brother, who's also a singular talent engineer, Aaron Rubin. So the Brothers Rubin are going to be on the podcast next Tuesday. Check it out. Subscribe now so you make sure you don't miss it. Love you all. Stay nice. How do I hit stop? I'm putting down my rifle and deserting this war. I'm closing my account at the angry store. Just wanna be
1: nice. And baby, that's the world. That's why I'm joining the Super Nice Club. So come on in. The water is warm. You and I can wait out this passing storm. Just wanna be nice. And baby, that's the world.